0: everybody. This is Sarah Smith with Girls on Film, and I have with me the amazing Teresa Roth. Hi,
1: Teresa. Hi, everybody. Got through the storms last night.
0: Ready to go. Oh, my God. So tired. And we are welcoming today a friend and a wonderful lady that I admire so much, Ms. Stacy Schuker reese
2: Hey, y'all. I'm so excited to be on Girls on Film as it's it, it makes me feel like I'm back in the 80s and I'm in a Duran Duran video.
0: You are. exactly. We can do that. <laughs> we, can, we can reenact that.
1: We're excited to hear about all your products at your cool store where you make the stuff in a barn.
2: I do. I do. I uh, taught myself screen printing and uh we we moved out to Clarkston Georgia which is where a lot of refugees um, from all over the world come and resettle and it's right outside of Decatur Georgia um but it you know it feels like you're kind of in the country or in the suburbs and uh there was this two story barn in the backyard and my husband has an online magazine called the Bitter Southerner and uh we needed stuff to sell in the store because the Bitter Southerner While it's a magazine, it's really like from a business perspective, it's a t shirt company that tells stories. (laughs) And so they, they support themselves mostly from t shirt sales, but we also needed other things to sell. And so I thought, hey, tea towels, because tea towels are cheap and you don't have to fit them, you know, to get them just right, you know, get the design just right on the, on the tea towels. So, um, I took a little class in, uh, in screen printing and uh, ordered a bunch of tea towels and started putting just silly little Southern sayings. And I'm not a designer. So like, you know, I just use American typewriter font to like put y'all on a towel or raise right or act right. They're awesome. Thank you. And, and I I love them. And I've, it turns out that people like really Resonate with just a clean, classic design. You know, yeah. there's not a lot of art because there's a lot of bad art on bad tea towels out there.
1: Yes. And
2: I don't put, I don't make anything that I wouldn't put in my own kitchen. So, you know, so that's just like how I filter everything.
0: Tell us the name of your company and your website.
2: It's Down South House and Home. Yes. The website is downsouth.house, H O U S E.
0: Perfect. I really want people to go and look at your site. It's nice and clean and it's, it's really modern and um, it goes well with the bitter southerner. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which is a very cool publication, which people need to look at also. But after they look at this.
1: Any girl raised in the South, like I was, has a great appreciation for y'all. Exactly. <laughs> I just love it.
2: I, I try to keep everything super clean, you know, and super, super traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I do, I have veered over into, uh, you know, hold my beer coasters and when did exactly did we become white trash? <laughs> you know, th- things traditional Southern women have heard growing up. Their whole lives.
0: See, and this is all new to me.
2: Oh, really? Me
1: and
0: the Yankee that you are.
1: <laughs> Bless your heart.
2: I
0: know. It did not. It did not take me long. Almost Canadian, really, <laughs> because I'm from Buffalo, just right on the border there.
2: But, but Sarah, you have a Southern sensibility
0: that I think you don't do not appreciate. Exactly. <laughs> now, I have to say something about Stacy. Stacy is. A PhD in chemistry. Stacy and I met several years ago when I started working at Emory at the Center for Ethics with all of those bioethicists that were there. And we just connected quickly. Mm-hmm. She has such a exuberant personality and is one one of very few women that has this. Level of education and interest, et cetera, um, in this arena. It's it's a competitive mm-hmm. um, place, and it's dominated by men. And Stacy was, you know, and is a just a standout.
3: Aww,
1: so thank you. I'm so interested to hear your path, Stacy, from that amount of schooling to the business that you have now. <laughs> Why is a PhD
2: in chemist making dish towels in the backyard? Uh, yes, in a barn. In a barn. <laughs> well, somebody has to somebody do it. Somebody has to do it. Well, as, as Sarah was saying, you know, the life sciences industry here in Georgia is very competitive and it is male dominated. And it it uh, is dominated by men who do not have. The same level of education as a lot of the women in it, and um, so you know, women with PhDs have a longer road to hoe than uh, men with business degrees from what you call it state. And I, uh, I stood up to an old white man who tried to raid my budget, and he was just powerful enough to get me derailed out of my job. And, and it was a pretty pretty uh, visible job uh, in, uh, statewide. And, uh, and so, you know, all the people that, all of my contacts that I had across the state were, you know, very nice, but they wouldn't return my phone calls when I was looking for another job. So, I'm over 50, I'm a woman in a male-dominated field, and uh, you finally have to come to terms with the fact that you're you're just not going to get another job like that. So, uh, I was just determined that I'm never going to let old white men determine my uh, my success in life. Right. And if I got if I've got to make dish towels in a barn in my backyard, by God, I'm going to make dish towels in my backyard in a barn. And um, and it's been a long it's been a long road to hoe, and it's you know finally starting to grow in, in a meaningful way. Like I was at 900% growth from last year until, you know, until we had a pandemic and, uh, and then, you know, and, and I still, you know, people are still buying, but you know, everybody's like, they're thinking about, Canned goods and toilet paper, right. You know, dish towels are really low on their list of, of things, but uh, things to buy right now. But, you know, but, but it's starting, it's starting to come back now that people are starting to, you know, adjust. But it's, uh, it's one of those things that I need. I, I realized at my age, I can never depend on other people for my livelihood, because I am like milk, right? You know, I have an expiration date. And I'm not going to become more employable the older I get.
0: Mm, sad right. but true. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that you're talking about this because reinvention for women over fifty mm-hmm. is something I think about every day. Uh, Therese has done it, and mm-hmm. I've done it, and it it's not easy. And it is a really, really important thing, though, I believe, to be able to do. So that's just um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here, Stacy, because a lot of um, a lot of women who are fans are doing are, you know, facing this right now. Yeah. You know, reinvention. Yeah. And um, how do you do it? And how do you. How do you accept it? It's, it can be frustrating. And you and I have had more than one cup of coffee about this. And we we about have,
2: this. because it's like, I ask myself, I have a, you know, why is a PhD in chemistry working in a barn in her backyard doing screen printing? Um, because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I just simply can't let other people dictate my future. And that was where I, that's where I was. Right. And, um, You know, fool me once. Shame on you. But I'm not going to be fooled twice. And it is not easy. Um, we gave up a lot of upper middle class cultural pursuits, activities and uh, material goods to do this, because when, you know, when Chuck and I, you know, first we got married. We were living in Inman Park in Atlanta, which is like this really nice, old, uh, some Victorian, some turn of the 20th century homes. We were living in this beautiful house on Elizabeth Street in, in Inman Park. And um, we got married about seven years ago. We got married on July 27th. We put the house on sale the next Monday and sold it within thirty-six hours, had to be out in thirty days, and then he started the bitter southerner the next week. And so fortunately that you know like the bitter southerner had experienced explosive growth from day one and just didn't know how to manage what was the, the what was the growth, how to how to capitalize on it. And after about a year they finally said, hey, let's sell a T-shirt. And and that was where they started getting their income. But, you know, we have been moving progressively lower on the scale as far as, uh, you know, fancy, fancy places to live. We moved, you know, from, from Inman Park to... Um, telephone factory loft in Atlanta, which was, you know, kind of chic, you know, in the the sense that you're living in an old factory loft. Um, But, you know, the rent started going up there and we decided we were going to move out to Clarkston. And thank God we did because we've got like really reasonable to live out here. You know, we've got a backyard, we've got a barn. Um, But we still are, you know, my husband has gone from, Being a spendthrift to being a coupon queen—I mean, that man can save money like nobody's business. And like I am a skin flint by nature, you know. It's like if you can't, it means like I don't. I hate to throw stuff away, like jars, like mason jars. I do not throw away mason jars because you know you're going to need them, even if you need to nail them to the roof of your shed so you can store nails. Right, I mean, it's like I have depression era thrift <laughs> in my bones, you know. And Chug is the total opposite. And now he has become the discount queen. He can he can work a Kroger uh, coupon like nobody's business, and you know, and that <laughs> <laughs> that is very cool. It is very it is very cool. I am I am I am in awe of him. I am in awe of him because I just don't think coupons work and he has shown me that you can make coupons work. Okay, And, um, but you know, but the thing is is that if you are wedded to your middle-class upper middle class lifestyle, then reinventing yourself is going to be hard. And you know, you have to have some humility and you have to go, okay, well, I guess I don't need that. We don't need the fancy vacation or we can't take the fancy vacation. And, um, and, and you have to, you have to come to the point where you accept that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that it's going to pay off. And it looks like, you know, at least on the bitter southerner side, it, you know, it's, it's paying off and, and and things are growing and more opportunities are happening. And, you know, and I started doing this a couple of years ago and it's growing, you know, it's like, I, I can't, I can't support myself completely on it, but it is definitely, you know, I've built trust with my community and people are willing to buy from me more readily because I've built that trust. Right. And, and I think that's like one of the most important things about if you're going to go start reinventing yourself and like create a product, it takes time to build um, trust with people who don't know you, because you know they're got to pull out their wallet and put in their you know their credit card information and buy something from you sight unseen other than the pictures that you offer them so you there's a lot of integrity and a lot of consistency and a lot of trust that you have to build that doesn't happen overnight and that's like if you're going to reinvent yourself just remember that integrity is the most important thing and you got to it takes time to build trust
0: and you have some cause marketing going on for you Two, which is which is that you hire women to help you. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that.
2: Well, I discovered Clarkson, like I, I said before, is full of refugees. And these are people who I mean, they're looking at the coronavirus, you know, and they don't even blink. Right. Because what they've seen has just been so horrific, you know, war, famine upheavals, all that. And um, this church right around the corner in Clarkston um, has started the Refugee Women's Sewing Society. And I was like, I'd, I've always loved them. And I thought that, you know, they were so cool, but like, what can they make for me? Because I didn't have a whole lot of money and, you know, you know, and they've got, you know, they're, they're using, they're learning sewing skills along with their English to you know, make some money to buy food for their family, right. and you know, and, and some of them live right down the hill from me. And so, when you make when you make dish towels and you do screen printing, you you make a lot of mistakes. And you know, there's like sometimes there's just like a little ink blot on the other side of the towel. And you know, I'm not going to sell you that. You know, I'm not going to charge you fifteen dollars for a fancy pants dish towel that has a flaw on it like that. So, but you know, they're 30 by 30 inches and hundred percent cotton. They're nice dish towels. They are. So I had a big pile of them and I said like, what can I do with this essentially you know production waste? And so I realized I can make napkin rings out of these dish towels. And so I took them over to uh, the Refugee Sewing Society and handed them this big pile of, you know, dish towels that I can't sell and uh, or won't sell. And, and I said, here, you know, make some napkin rings. And I also uh, have them make some scrunchies for your hair. So these flower sack scrunchies are awesome for your hair because they don't they don't snag and, right. and they they look cute, but and they don't leave that crease in in your hair like a rubber band does. So you know, I was like, I felt really great about working with them, and I was gonna have them make some masks, but they had to disband because of the coronavirus. Okay. And uh, it was just like this morning, I was you know starting to do some research on. How I can buy a sewing machine? because I've sold enough towels that I can afford one now. Um, how can I buy a sewing machine and take it to one of these women? to make masks because I continue to make towels with errors on them. And, you know, I can be making masks and, and giving, you know, and giving these women an opportunity to make some, you know, some grocery money. And, you know, and, and if they're, they're, they're so nice, you know, and they work so hard and they must be so scared and homesick right now. And I just like, it's killing me not to make masks, not just because I can't, can't make masks, but I know those women, are you know are wanting to do more work but they can't go to where they sew because of the coronavirus so that that was this morning i was just trying to i was trying to noodle like how i can go buy my own sewing machines and find those women who probably live down the street from me and have them make some masks or some other things um because i think uh you know it's like they they must be terrified right now like how they're going to how are they how are they going to make the income that they were making beforehand yeah
0: yeah so amazing yes so amazing
2: yeah they are amazing
0: well I, one of the things that i asked you the other day stacy was we really wanted to have you on the podcast and one thing we really had to do was talk about um one of your favorite tv shows sing me a
2: song
0: of last that is gone say could that last be i <laughs>
2: i have fallen in love with outlander
1: that's what she said teresa absolutely we all love it love it <laughs> well teresa what what do you love about it you know i just love the characters mhm you know they're so fleshed out they're so rich mhm and I just, I can't walk away from how cute Jamie is. He is. He's a hot,
2: <laughs> hot ticket. And he looks so good in a kilt, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah, and and I like, even out of the kilt, he looks good.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: even better. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, I, I think I'm really drawn to uh, one thing, the strong female lead, you know, because she doesn't take any crap. No. You Know and Claire, in whatever century she's living in, she doesn't take any crap.
0: She's a woman of science, like you exactly, exactly. You're right? Exactly,
2: but she can boss, she'll boss some men around, yeah. And but you know, it's like also, I think what's really interesting is Outlander gives you the opportunity to think, like, how would I respond to these certain societal changes or differences, you know, if I went back one of the episodes I thought was so important was when Jamie and Claire had finally gotten to the colonies and they went to go visit Jamie's aunt and she had slaves and, you know, Claire was like, we're not having slaves and blah, 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 blah. We're going to set them all free. And yet you started to understand like all the complications with freeing the slaves. And, you know, because, you know, like growing up in the South, you know, you think, oh, you know, if I lived back before the Civil War, I would have let all the slaves go free. You know, and and it gives you like a different point of view about how complex that whole system of inequality was. And economics and, and economics. And I think and I think that, that that's that been a theme through the whole series is that, you know, there's always been haves and have nots and they get treated in the same way. Regardless of the century, and interesting, and so, but you know, it's like I think inequality and sexism and racism are an underlying theme in all of this. And like, how do you respond as a twentieth-century woman inside of that, you know, systemized inequality? And and can you know, like how would how would I do it? You know, and and it's not always so easy. And and how would you you know how do you how would you have behaved if you had
1: grown up with that being
2: normal right? right? And
1: yeah, I was telling Sarah the other day that the sexism is and racism they're just so shocking when you see yeah. it It's just so different from our our world today or at right. least on the surface right. So you know that's that's one thing that always yeah. slaps me in the face.
2: I think the funny thing about racism is, you know, like I grew up, I'm eighth generation Georgian and, you know, like my ancestors had slaves and, you know, we've been part of all the inequality, you know, since 400 years ago. Right. And I started thinking about racism, like in college and like, I was so mean, you know, Back in the 80s at the University of Georgia, they didn't have like an African-American studies department. You know, we were not quite that involved. And um, so I just like started reading used books about racism. And, you know, it's like every time I thought I wasn't racist anymore, I would like something would come along in my life and would make me realize I'm still racist, you know, and and so finally, I just like about the time we started The Bitter Southerner, I just like gave up thinking I'm not a racist. I'm just not as racist as I used to be. And I just got to do better when I know better. And and I think that like watching the coronavirus rip through communities of color, you know, that's that's another systemized inequality that I don't think we appreciate because we see it. We've grown up around it and we see it, much like those people two hundred years ago grew up around racism we find so shocking. You know, like what's shocking about now?
0: I'm dumbfounded. Hmm. <laughs> <Me> to
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, that that's a little
0: heavy. <laughs> we're supposed to be
2: talking about we're talking we're supposed to be talking about the love scenes on on, on Outlander. I'm no, sorry. All good.
0: I'm I'm sitting here thinking about how do I title this podcast? I'm gonna title it Reinvention, um, Outlander and Racism in Time of Corona. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, why can't it be? This is just an exceptional time, sure, for sure.
1: Well, may- maybe that's another reason why we like Outlander because it really touches on deep, deep
0: subjects and makes us think. I have to say, my some of my favorite favorite episodes of that show are from this season when America, well, they're in America, and um, the fir- very first season. And I really think my favorite episode, besides the the wedding episode which is always amazingly hot <laughs> and wonderful. Um yeah, is the second episode of the first season where she's starting to get acclimated to the castle and she's trying to figure out how to be productive and exist in the castle, <laughs> let alone that she's been transported yeah. back in time. But that's those are just two of my favorite favorite ones. I would love to hear, Miss Sugar, what yeah, what you think about that.
2: Well, you know, it's like she was also imprisoned down in that basement, right? And and you know, and the the responsibility of being a healer was you know, almost foisted on her, right? And that was that was her survival, yep. you know. And you know, like, what if she didn't have what would have happened to her if she didn't have a skill set that allowed her to survive, right. In that hierarchical community because she could have just as easily been a scullery maid if she didn't know how to heal. Right. And because she didn't know how to use the you know the technology of the day, she didn't know how to cook a loaf of bread over a fire. Yeah. What would have happened to her physically and mentally and spiritually if she did not have this superior skill set that no one around her had?
0: Right, and talk about reinvention.
2: Yes, she did reinvent herself. She
0: reinvented over and over and over again, and thematically with science and medicine, but every time new, every time in a different environment, every time with different people, every time with different circumstances and outcomes. Yeah, just like when they went to Paris. Right. Reinvent, reinvent, reinvent. Maybe that's another thing we like about her.
1: Yes,
3: Definitely.
2: Yeah, it doesn't matter what century she's in Claire's in. She always reinvents herself <laughs> because she, she goes she goes back and, and becomes a doctor in the nineteen sixties, which is something women didn't do. A surgeon. A surgeon no less. Yeah. And and becomes and, and bucks all traditional roles for women. And and it's it's kind of like Claire never fits in wherever she is. Oh, I
0: relate to that. <laughs> she Yeah, I know. You know, it's like <laughs> sorry
2: it's like it's, it's like she she always has a toe in you know, in whatever situation she's in but she's never totally fits in and and i think that that's kind of the modern woman's dilemma you know because we you know we don't we don't fit in in a lot of places we have to make our own spot Yep. Yeah. and but but it's never ever comfortable and it's never safe and it's never secure
0: No. And that's why um, I think it's so impressive that you have reinvented yourself, Stacy, from where you were in a position of science in the community and education to uh, a person who is mastering technology and online e-commerce, which is very tricky it is um, <laughs> and very current it really is it's complicated you know we started this podcast and there was nobody we started this two years ago and there was nobody doing there were no like women women doing what we we're doing yeah yeah and did we, we didn't know jack about podcasting
2: and, and look <laughs> and look at you now Because you you have been reinventing yourself since the days of you working at Emory and, uh, and, you know, fundraising and, and now you have got like your fancy communication system and, you know, and you've got, you've, you've got a voice and, you know, like, so. You know, When we're talking about reinvention, we're talking about you, too, because uh, you have done an amazing job in reinventing yourself. And, and I'm, I'm just delighted that I can be along with the ride for the ride.
0: Oh, this is like you're going to be you're going to be back on the horse with us again soon. <laughs> get, a, get, a, get on the saddle. <laughs> but, you know, when you're talking about social
2: media and the technology, it's like yep. when I first started, you know, got my job with the state of Georgia. In 2008, you know, Facebook was really just like what the young millennials and the millennials were young back then. You know, they were using that to like talk to each other. And 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 you know, 2008 eight was when the uh, the the Great Recession was just starting. Right as I was starting my new job, and yep. my marketing budget got cut by like seventy five thousand dollars, which was all of it. And right, uh, and I, so I was like, I have got to find a way to communicate across the state. So I started using. Facebook and Twitter, you know, Instagram wasn't around back then. And everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. And, you know, I was like, hey, y'all y'all got to get on LinkedIn and Facebook. And they were like, I don't know. And and so but, you know, it's like I became a pioneer of social media in economic development. And uh, and but now, you know, it's like I've been using all of this technology, but it has gotten so Complex and like Instagram algorithms are always changing. You don't really know is your hashtag going to go the right place? Does it matter if I do a hashtag? You know, is it is it helping? And you know, Google Ads and analytics and and I feel like in two thousand eight I was like on top of my social media game. You know, I was I was killing it, and now. I feel dumb every day and it's like, I keep like, I have pan, I have pandemic goals, you know, it's like by the end of this pandemic, I'm going to be like such a better person, you know, and I keep thinking I'm just going to, I'm going to learn Pinterest and, and learn all of these other things. And I, you know, it's like, I can't settle down long enough to learn anything because you know it's a pandemic um and i don't know why i have pandemic goals but i have them and i'm not
1: meeting them and so um you know but i feel i feel the same way I mean every day i go how can i use this time to make myself or something better that i wouldn't have time to do before right and so you know i try but i do feel like i'm failing. <laughs> So <laughs> every day is a new day so I'm trying to try again. I,
2: I you know it's like because in women are you know women are taught to beat themselves up anyway and um yeah. you know so so it's like you know you're not meeting your pandemic goals which are you know like in my case are always <laughs> you know too too ambitious and <laughs> I was like, I think every day that I don't contract the virus is, is, you know, like I'm winning, you know, hashtag winning. And Ah. but, you know, it's like but I still think like I have torn my barn apart, like reorganizing it because I want to like get out of the pandemic and have my shop like spick and span clean. And I've been trying for this whole pandemic to do it and I can't do it. It's gotten worse. I've got like a little path. Around the first floor of my barn to get up to the stairs where I'm talking to you now. Um, you know, because I've just got everything kind of like blown out. And, you know, it's like now I've got to like <laughs> get it all organized again, or I just, I won't be able to function and fill my orders because it's everywhere. And, um, it, yeah, but it, it is, it is easy to, 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 to feel disappointed in yourself for not achieving everything you think you're supposed to achieve. But, you
0: know, it's a pandemic, you know, it's okay. If you guys need any pressure washing done, just call me. <laughs> I got that done. I checked Did that off really? my list. Do,
1: do you have your hazmat suit that you wear when you go out to pressure wash? <laughs> I have, Um,
0: I have a mask that I wear and I have, I have ye oldie sneakers that live in the shed that are the nastiest pair of shoes you've ever seen in your life. And then I make sure to wear the cruddiest clothes ever. And last week I did the entire driveway and the pergola and I was covered in dirt, like covered in dirt. So when I took my mask off, like my mouth was so white (laughs) and I I should have taken a picture of it, Um, but I stunk and I was covered in muck. And I was looking around, and I'm like, there are a bunch of people pressure washing stuff in the neighborhood <laughs> during the pandemic. And well, not, I none totally of them are women. you for doing None that. of them are women. I'm like, why can't, you know, yeah, I put the gas in, pull the thing. Good for you. <laughs> but,
2: but doesn't it feel good? I mean, you yes. may be filthy at the end of the
0: day, but doesn't it feel good? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, I, I love to blast that pressure washer especially because we had carpenter bees and I was killing them. <laughs> I think I was on the phone with Teresa at one point while I was killing those bees. I was, and I was like, I have to go I have to kill these carpenter bees. All right. So Teresa, tell us your favorite, your favorite episode of Outlander. Um, You know,
1: I really enjoyed the Paris season, but I still hearken back to the first season. It was just, you know, seeing all that through um, Claire's eyes, and I also yeah. loved when they when they t- did the little trip to the road trip to try to raise money. I, for some yeah. reason, I really like that. But yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I will always watch the wedding anytime it's on. I have to watch it.
0: <laughs> it's good, it and is. you know, Lisa knows my penchant for redheaded men.
2: Oh, she oh, likes God, a ginger. I know.
0: That's I know. Terrible.
2: I, know. It's I know. Genetic. What is, what is it about them? Yeah, you know, it's
0: like, what is so appealing about? Them? Teresa it's, doesn't have that. She, she likes I do the, not. She likes the black hair, you know, the dark or maybe the blonde. She I likes do. I like, hair, oh, I like the Viking. I like the Viking,
1: the blonde hair and the blue eyes. Thor. Yes. She yes, likes Thor. absolutely.
0: But me, I'm like, put any redhead. Red-headed, pale, freckly man that walks by <laughs> and I cannot handle it.
2: <laughs> it's something so richly Celtic, you know, it just, it, I, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it just is passed down through the genes,
0: you know, but. It is because it's a Neander, I told my kids, my boys know this about me. They're like, my, our, our mother is weird. And they're like, mom, that's a, that's a uh, genetic marker of the Neanderthal man is what? red hair. Red hair. Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Unless they're pulling my rope, wow, or string, whatever.
1: Well, I'll I'll just say that gingers are rare, and that's why you love them because they're rare.
0: Mm-hmm. I, it's like more. No, it's a, it's like a physical, like a thing. Mm. Like I would chase them down the street. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I remember going to a party with my husband when I, we were like newly married and we had just moved down here. And there was a guy that was there who had red hair and he had it in a braid down his back. And he was so good looking and he had dark, dark, dark brown eyes and he was tan because he was like a frisbee player. And I couldn't stop like staring at him. And Brooke was finally like, my husband, Brooke, he was like, Sarah, stop staring at the redheaded man. <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta go. And I'll never forget him. He was a masterpiece. Yeah, I, I,
2: there's just something, something about that red hair is just so fascinating. And uh, I never married a redhead. I married a blonde, and and then uh, after he passed away, I married a brunette. You know, and but. The, I don't know why I didn't end up marrying a redhead, but it, it is uh, – You, marry, you I, I married everything else but
0: – You could get <laughs> Chuck to wear a, a wig yeah. once a year <laughs> for fun. Yeah. Just for fun. <laughs> yeah, dress, dress him up oh. like Jamie for Halloween.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Put him in a kilt and and a red wig. Yeah, yeah that'll be there awesome. I know. <laughs>
0: All right, ladies. Well, I, we're going to call it a day for this crazy podcast that we just recorded. And it was oh, it's so, been so much fun, fun, so fun, so much fun,
1: so much and fun. Thank you so much, Daisy.
0: Oh, thank you, Teresa. Teresa and I want to come out and see your barn, and we'll bring some egg salad sandwiches or something like that. Y'all come mm. see me. Y'all come see me, and then and yep.
2: and we'll do another. We'll do one for my podcast. I'll have y'all on my podcast and it'll take you up in my barn we'll do another podcast and talk about something else. Cause I think we could talk all day long.
0: Yes. Hello. We'll, ha-
1: we'll have some sweet tea and potato yes. salad and just talk about. The <laughs> you want to take us out? All right, everybody. We are girls on film and we are out.
3: That's great. It starts with an earth. I'm e a I'm <laughs> Brass Nap, Lenny, Bush, and Lester Banks, Birthday Party, Cheesecake, Jelly Bean, Boom, Muse, Symbiotic, Patriotic, Slam Boom.